Thank you for checking out the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Uh, I wanted to get on here briefly and talk about the tragic loss uh, that has rocked not only the sports world, but just uh, society um, with the death of NBA legend uh, Kobe Bryant. Uh, As many of you know, it was a week ago at the time of this recording that Kobe Bryant boarded a helicopter uh, en route from one destination headed to a basketball game uh, and the helicopter that he was on uh, crashed and killed not only Kobe but uh, his daughter as well as seven others Um, and you know to say that this uh, was a shock is an understatement Um, I want to begin by saying, first and, fo- first and foremost, rest in peace uh, to all of them. You know, that is such a, uh, it's such a tragic uh, story, and um, it has a, a very touching human element that uh, I'll touch on in, in just a few. Um, over the past week, uh, I've watched not really a lot of coverage, but I've watched some coverage of it. Um, you know, it's been the topic of conversation for a lot of people. And I just wanted to give you all my thoughts on it. Uh, I normally don't even do current events, but uh, I would be remiss if I didn't get on here and talk a little bit about Kobe. Um, Before I get into Kobe, I would like to take a second to recognize and say rest in peace uh, to the people um, who really haven't been talked about a lot. Um, they've, you know, commonly be, commonly been referred to as quote unquote the others, um, but you know, and I get why because you know they weren't famous or anything like that. But uh, nonetheless, uh, still tough, tough stories, and and um, you know, really, really tragic the fact that they left and. Um, just wanted to, I guess, before I get started, recognize them. Uh, baseball coach or former baseball coach John Altabelli, age 56. His wife, Carrie Altabelli, age 46. Their daughter, Alyssa Altabelli, age 13. Um, they perished in this helicopter crash. Uh, the Altabellis leave behind two kids, JJ and Alexis. Rest in peace to the three of them. Uh, Christina Mauser, age 38. Uh, she was an assistant basketball coach with uh, Kobe's team. Uh, she leaves behind a husband. Uh, Alyssa Altabelli was a teammate of Kobe Bryant's daughter, um, Gianna, or Gigi. Um, The pilot, Ara Zobayan, age 50. Uh, Sarah Chester, age 45. And her daughter, Peyton Chester, age 13. They leave behind a son, Riley, and husband, Chris. And then there's Kobe's daughter, Gianna, a.k.a. Gigi, um, a budding basketball star in her own right, uh, someone who seemed to be destined to head in the footsteps of her father. She was age 13. And, of course, uh, NBA legend, champion, um, Kobe being Bryant, age 41. Uh, I think it's, uh, again, it's, there's a human element that kind of, you know, weighs on us all. Uh, but it was just, it's, it's really 
like I said, I guess the, the biggest thing is that I could take from this is that it's, it's such a tragic story. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, no matter what happened, uh, you kind of it still kind of seems surreal. Uh, so it's, it's really kind of weird as to how you, you know, kind of process it all. And I think even a week later, I think people are still processing it. Uh, for me, um, it was weird because of how it all transpired. Uh, last Sunday, I was sitting. I'd gotten home from church, uh, just kind of chilling. I was messing around on the computer, and um, I normally Sundays I'm rarely on social media. I kind of have this thing where I don't do any social media on Sundays, so I wasn't on Twitter. I wasn't. You know, didn't see anything or whatever like that. I was just chilling. And um, my homeboy, uh, Nick, uh, from the No Disrespect podcast and Dead End Sports, uh, he hit us up in the Dead End Sports group chat. And he just sent a question. He said, did you hear anything about Kobe dying in a crash I think it's a helicopter crash and I perked up because I know that Kobe you know frequently flew in helicopters he flew in helicopters from home to practice to on his game days because it was a quick way for him to get where he lives uh, somewhere in Orange County to downtown LA which I think is it might be I don't know 25 maybe 30 miles away but in LA traffic that's probably like a three-hour drive uh, but I mean I'm pretty sure you could probably make it in 10-15 minutes via helicopter so that was something that he did throughout his entire career getting on a helicopter for Kobe Bryant was just as routine as you are getting behind the wheel of a car and driving to work right so when Nick sent that I didn't say anything but I was like well, who would say something like that? I'm, I'm thinking because you hear urban rumors and stuff like that all the time. So, you know, curiosity got the best of me. I let it sit there for a second before I responded. And so I was like, let me check. So I went to Twitter and I didn't check my timeline. I did something that I normally do when I when I hear news. I'll go search it myself. So I just I went to the search machine on Twitter and the search portion of Twitter and I hit I just typed in Kobe Bryant that was it because that's all I needed to type in and the first story that popped up was a link from TMZ and the link said you know so I clicked on the link and the link said NBA legend Kobe Bryant dies in helicopter crash and I'm like (laughs) Yeah, right. Okay, TMZ, y'all bullshit now. So I closed the link. Didn't think about it. And so I closed the link and I waited a second. And then I went to open the link again. And when I went to open the link again, it wouldn't open. In fact, there was a message on it that said something like something to the effect of technical difficulties or something like that. So the I guess by this time, maybe I'm assuming that a whole bunch of people were trying to open that particular link and it may have crashed the site or whatever the case may be. So when I got that message, I was like, see, I just told myself, I was like, see, (laughs) TMZ on that bullshit again. And so I closed out, you know, the browser. No problem. And I waited probably about another minute. And then I, something said, go back and check just to double check to make sure that this link still isn't working. Because I'm thinking to myself, TMZ is going to owe a whole bunch of people, you know, some type of explanation for putting out this, you know, false narrative and, and overall BS. And I go back to click the link and it opens up and it's and I it had updated. And it said that not only did Kobe die, but f- uh, four other people died in this crash. And I'm like, whoa. So I was like, I don't know if this is right. (laughs) 
and uh, I go back to the Twitter search and then there's other news media outlets that is picking up and I think the next link that I saw was from a I want to say it was from a California some type of LA uh, station or what have you and but they were running with the same story that TMZ was running so I was like this can't be right and then over the next minute or two it was a couple of other outlets that were reporting it but they weren't you know using the TMZ story as a reference and I just sat there I was shocked and so I finally responded to Nick in the in the group chat and I just sent him the link and I was like it looks like it's true and then so I hit up my, some of my boys and I'm like did y'all hear about this and Everybody was kind of like in disbelief. And then so slowly but surely, everything is, is, is coming to fruition that that's what it is. So I'm still kind of in a weird space because I'm, I'm reading it, but I don't believe what I'm reading. So I knew I had to do something. So what I had to do, at least in my mind, I had to make a phone call. And the phone call I had to make would be to my now 20-year-old son, Dion, who's away in college. And the reason why I had to call Dion is because Dion is, you know, a huge Lakers fan. He's a huge Kobe Bryant fan. And I wanted to tell him, you know, before, you know, he could hear it somewhere else. Um and so this is and it's kind of weird because we're hearing all that we're seeing and reading all this stuff in real time. So as I'm calling him now, my I'm getting different text messages. Yo, did you hear this? Did you hear that? And then my wife, who wasn't home at the time, she texted me. She was like, did you hear anything about Kobe? And before I could even respond to her, I called Dion. So I called Dion and. He, he had, you know, we had been texting earlier in the day. He told me he'd gone to church and, you know, so we were joking about that. And, um, you know, he answered the phone. He's like, hey, what's up, dad? You know, like that. And, um, you know, he said, so when he answered, you know, very cheerfully, I knew that the word hadn't gotten to him yet. And so I started talking to him and I don't know what I said, but I was like, hey, I need to tell you something. And um, I told him and he was like, are you for real? And I was like, yeah. And then like, as we're on the phone, probably about 20 seconds after I said it, somebody, I could hear someone come into his room and they were like, man, did you hear about Kobe Bryant? Like that. So the word was spreading, you know, there's an old saying, bad news travels fast. And it really does. And so I was like, so I'm talking to Dion and, you know, he's still kind of on the phone in disbelief. And in the meantime, as while we're on the phone, you know, just like everybody else, people hit me up asking me if I heard. And I'm like, I can't believe it. And so it took a it took a little bit to process that. And then we got word that his daughter, Gianna, was on the helicopter with him. I think it would have been it would it was a tough pill to swallow, but it would have been even tougher. I mean, I, I guess having his daughter on there made it that much more Tra- I mean, it was, I guess what I'm saying is it was tragic enough, but it that just really made it much worse. You know what I mean? So um, I didn't, you know, Dion and I talked for a little bit, but I didn't talk long. I wanted him to kind of process and talk with his friends and stuff like that. So once I found out that his daughter was on there, that, you know, that hit. You know, it it hits home and it makes it that much worse. And I was just kind of blown because uh, you just don't really, you know, you don't really think about people or someone like Kobe leaving. I mean, the reality is, is that we all have to die. Right. I mean, (laughs) science tells you that everything that lives must die. But. I can't remember a athlete, you know, of this caliber, a, a not not even a superstar, supernova like Kobe, uh, leaving so tragically, so soon in life. I mean, he's only forty-one, 
So one other thing that I did Sunday afternoon was I think the next person that I called was my boy Derek. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, you've heard him on here, D Love Hall. Um, and and Derek's probably, <laughs> you know, probably he's probably the biggest Laker fan that I I know, and he's been a Laker fan since the seventies, right? Um, and so I called him, and I didn't get him, and um, he called me back. I think like five minutes later. And I was like, yo, man, are you good? And I could tell just, you know, when when he answered the phone, he knew why I was calling. And and, and uh, he was like, he's like, man, I don't know what to say. And we both kind of chuckled, but it was like we were trying, still trying to figure it out and trying to process it. And talked to him for a little bit. Uh, then, you know, my boy Zell, Easy Does It, VA, he called in. So the three of us talked. Um, we shared a couple of jokes which was good because it was, you know, needed at the time. But, um, you know, still still processing all the while, you know, we're still hearing this that, that is, you know, five people that died. We don't know who died. But, you know, um, one other phone call that I made that day after I got off the phone with them was to my boy Shaft, uh, another childhood friend of mine. Um, Shaft is probably the second biggest Laker fan that I know. And, um, I called him and talked to him briefly, and uh, it was good, you know, talking to him. But you know, same thing. I asked him. I was like, "You good, man?" We were just still kind of in, in disbelief. And I talked to Shaft a little bit later on, probably about I don't know five or six. So all of the news had happened, the press conference that had happened with the uh, sheriff's department, and they announced it was actually nine people that had passed, not five, as originally reported, and. Um, you know, the sheriff, sheriff's uh, slash police department took issue with TMZ because allegedly Kobe's family, his wife in particular, did not find out from the authorities. They found out the same way we did through TMZ, which, in my opinion, is tasteless and classless. I think part of the issue is is that you know, in this information age and era, you know, people are so quick to want to get the story, be the first one to report the story. But it's more importantly that you it's more important that you get the story right than you actually tell the story. And, um, you know, that was that was bugged out to me. I thought that was, you know, tasteless and classless. And I mean, it's not something that surprises me by TMZ, to be honest, because that's how they that's how they kick it. They own that steez. And it's not it's not it ain't ever been cool. I mean, before you put the story out. It, it You could have gotten the information to Vanessa Bryant, Kobe Bryant's wife. Um, and. Most flights, well, I don't want to say most, almost every flight that goes in the air, whether or not it's a helicopter or a airplane, has a manifest. On the manifest, you have a list of the passengers that are on it. It's, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out who perished in that crash. If you could get on the scene and determine that there were no survivors, then you know that you know whoever was on that helicopter crash. And it wouldn't take, it would have taken a mere few minutes to reach out to the Bryant's and their family or the families of the Altabellis or whomever but you know they were quick to put that out there and and I think that was you know tasteless um but nonetheless there there we were you know Kobe Bryant gone and I remember I left the house had some run run around had to do some errands and by the time I came back it was probably about five maybe almost six o'clock and I remember turning on because my TV was off the whole day and I turned the TV on and I was watching the six o'clock sports center. And when they showed Kobe's face and they showed his date of birth, date of death, that's when it kind of really hit home like this dude is really gone. And um, I couldn't believe it. I, it wasn't. It's still unfathomable to me, you know. Uh, 
you really, again, you don't picture people like that. Because here's the thing. You don't picture people like that, like Kobe, dying because Kobe was so present. I mean, here's a guy who has not been playing basketball for the better part of, what, four or five years. But I think it's been four years since he's been retired. But the, the key thing is, is that he's been very present. You know, he's been very active with uh, the Mamba Academy, uh, very active with his daughter's basketball. He created a short that actually won an Oscar. Um, I just watched an interview with uh, that Kobe did with um, all the Smoke podcast with uh, Stephen Jackson and Matt Barnes. Um, that podcast was probably about, what, three weeks ago? Um, from the time of this recording, really, really dope podcast. Go on YouTube and check it out. Uh, you know, and Kobe, it's funny because I remember watching watching it. And Kobe sitting there and interviewing him at the Mamba Sports Academy. And as Kobe's sitting there in his chair, you can see over his left shoulder, you can see the Emmy that he won. You can see, I think, an Emmy and an Oscar. No, he, I don't, it wasn't Emmy. It was his Oscar, I think, was sitting over his left shoulder. Uh, nonetheless, but I was like, you know, I said to myself, look at Kobe out there stunting. But what's interesting about all of this is that even this podcast that I'm doing right now, this is coming from someone who for the most, for most of Kobe Bryant's career, I didn't like Kobe. (laughs) I didn't like, I didn't like him at all. Um, I'll say this every time I spoke about Kobe being Bryant I would say I don't like him but I respect his game I respected the hell out of his game but I didn't like him I didn't like him probably until maybe about the last I'd say four or five years of his career um, I think one of the main reasons why I didn't like everybody knows that Kobe was a <laughs> he wanted to be Jordan and I think early on I probably took issue with that not because not so much because he wasn't Jordan because nobody could be Jordan but I tell you what <laughs> he was pretty damn close <laughs> I mean you could tell that he Probably spent countless hours watching Come Fly With Me. Now, for you young bucks, if you don't know what Come Fly With Me is, look it up. It's on VHS. Really, really dope. Um, But Kobe wasn't my guy. And if you're an NBA fan like me, I've been watching the NBA since 1980, right? Everybody has a guy. For me, Jordan was my guy. For, you know, my friends like Derek, Magic was his guy. If you were a Boston Celtics fan, Bird was your guy. Or Dr. J might be your guy. Or Isaiah Thomas might be your guy. But, you know, and then as time moved on, Kevin Garnett might be your guy. Kobe might be your guy. Or, you know, Tracy McGrady might be your guy. LeBron might be your guy. Whomever, right? But he wasn't my guy. And I think even though I didn't like him, it was based on what I perceived him to be. Now, keep in mind, I didn't know Kobe. I don't know him, still don't know him, but the little bit of him that I do know, um, initially I didn't like him. But he was so incredible on the basketball court. He was so incredible on the basketball court. And... I think what happened for me, uh, what changed was I realized probably, and I mean, I watched him win all of those championships. I wasn't a hater like that, but he wasn't just somebody who I I would just, you know, hitch my wagon to. Now, again, on the court, Kobe was cold as hell. I mean, I don't think you'll ever find a competitor like that. He was, again, the closest thing to Jordan. You know, he was just as competitive, just as, you know, driven to be the best. He wanted to not only beat Mike, but he wanted to exceed where Mike was. And he came pretty close. Um, 
you know, he had a great run with Shaq. And I think when people talk about his legacy, obviously they're, his career and Shaq, Shaq's career, you know, are intertwined. I think to some degree, and it's not fair to Kobe, but I think to some degree people, when they're making the case against Kobe, tend to knock him for playing with Shaq. I mean, he didn't have any control of who he played with. But I remember Kobe. I remember Kobe's rookie year in the playoffs against Utah. Shooting those air balls. <laughs> and what stood out to me, not so much as the fact that he shot the air balls, but he was not afraid of the moment to take them. That's something that you can't coach. That's something that you can't teach. That's something that you just, you know, you just are. And he wasn't afraid of the moment. And even back then, while I didn't like him, I I could admire and I did respect him having the, you know, the balls to do it. Because, again, most people wouldn't. But that's who Kobe was, man. Kobe was, and, and, and in fairness, Kobe didn't allow you to get close. He didn't, you know, this was, again, he was, this was the pre-social media age. So, you know, we knew very little. You know, he was a kid that came into the league. He was young. He was brash. But he was about his business. He was about his hard work. And he was going to bust his ass. But he was also, you know, kind of aloof. He was kind of goofy. He was kind of, you know, <laughs> he was trying to rap in Italian. Uh, he went to the prom with Brandy. But he was so cold on the basketball court. And you couldn't deny that. I don't care what kind of hater you were. And I was a hater. Make no mistake about it. I was a hater. But... I always gave him his props on the court. And I always said it. Kobe didn't strike me as somebody I'd go have a beer with. But he, if my life depended on it and he had to play a game for my life, I think Kobe would win. I mean, he was just that good. And um, he is, you know, unequivocally one of the greatest basketball players to ever play. Now, if you have a list where you put him on the list, hey, man, you get no argument from me at all. You know, but I think for me, you know, like I said, the first all of those years through the titles and everything, I was a hater. I recognized the game, but I was a hater. And then I think I finally came around, like I said, probably about five years before he retired was I remember watching him play one night. It was on TNT and I saw something I'd never seen before. One of his teammates missed a shot. I can't remember who it was. And the guy missed a shot. They got the ball and they ran back the other way and they scored or whatever the case may be. Lakers call a timeout. Kobe walks over to his teammate and he's laughing. He's literally laughing at his teammate and he's and he kind of mouths, it's going to be okay. I got you. That's what he said. And for me, I'd never seen that before from Kobe. I mean, I've seen teammates take bad shots. I've seen Kobe take bad shots. And you would see Kobe scowl or roll his eyes. Or I, I remember games where they told they said Kobe didn't shoot, Kobe shot too much, and Kobe, you know, in protest wouldn't shoot the ball at all. You remember? <laughs> But um, that's who he was, man. And I think in that moment when I saw him do that, I'd never seen. I don't even think. At least I can't recall. I'm, I'm pretty sure that he did. But up until that point, I don't ever recall ever seeing Kobe Bryant smile on a basketball court. And to me, it just looked like he was having fun. And he was doing what it took to, you know, tap into his teammates and get the best out of them. And I, and I thought that was that was something different. That was something that I'd never seen before. And you could kind of see that his teammates were into him and he was into his teammates. And for me after that it changed. I just my perspective on Kobe changed. I just I started liking the dude. I mean, I would I would never call myself a Laker fan cuz I hated the Lakers growing up. I still hate the Lakers, but Something changed in that moment for me as far as Kobe was concerned.
And he got into his teammates and you could just tell he got it. Like the light went off and he realized that, you know, he had to in order for him to get the best out of his teammates, he had to plug into them. And it's more to it than just, you know, what you do on the court. That's really hard, mm-hmm. right? And understanding how do you find a, an emotional connection with each player, figure out what their fears are, mm-hmm. and help turn those fears into strengths. And to do that, you have to put time in. And I don't mean time in the gym. I mean time listening, breakfast, lunch, dinner, talking to guys, listening to what they're saying. When did that happen for you? After we lost to the Celtics. You know, after we lost the Celtics, because Michael told me the same thing. He said, listen, you have all the individual tools. Now you got to figure out how to connect with each one of those guys and bring the best out of those guys. It's not about just passing them the ball and mm-hmm. saying that's what makes guys better. That's not it. You have to figure out how to touch the right buttons to, bring, to make them want to be the best version of themselves. How do you do that? And that was my challenge in 2009 and 2010. I was able to figure it out. And that's what it speaks to. That's exactly what it speaks to, you know, being able to tap into your teammates. And that's what he did. And in that moment, like I said, I started I started like I, I, I got to a point where I was just like, yo, I got to see Kobe play. And to be honest, I felt kind of foolish a little bit because I was like, yo, you've been hating on this dude for, <laughs> for damn near his whole career. You don't you feel like a fool? This is greatness right here and that you're not even tapped into this greatness because you're hung up on he wasn't your guy. Well, you can appreciate basketball and you can appreciate appreciate the player without being, you know, a fan or, or tapping into whatever it is that he's doing. You don't have to be a fan of the Lakers to be a fan of Kobe Bryant. And I realized that particular season and, you know, obviously Kobe goes on and he you know, tears his Achilles and he's, you know, trying to bring this Lakers team. And, you know, those last couple of years, he probably could have shut it down. Um, You know, he got broke off (laughs) as far as the Lakers were concerned. And that contract, to some degree, kind of, you know, uh, stunted the development of the Lakers. But, you know, he wouldn't have it any other way. And to be honest, he, he deserved it. He deserved it. I mean, he put in the work, and it, he he was rewarded for it. And that's the way that it should be. But um, those last couple of years, man, every chance I got the chance to see Kobe, I would watch him, and I wanted to see him do well. And and while everybody was trying to pit, you know, as LeBron was moving up, and then you saw the emergence of the Warriors, you know, I just I really appreciated seeing Kobe, man, because I felt like you know his greatness. And players like this don't come along every 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 year. And they don't. And as a basketball fan, now I have a team. My team is the Hawks. <laughs> so so I, it's not like my team is an advers- an, uh, a chief rival or adversary of Kobe's teams. My team is the Hawks. We don't have, you know, or didn't have that type of superstar on our team. But... If Kobe was on TV, I was checking him out. I was really, really rooting for him. And I was hoping that, you know, he could, even though I know, even though I knew in my heart of hearts that he probably wouldn't catch Jordan with the, you know, six rings, I would have liked to have seen him get close or closer than he got. And I remember that, you know, series that he won against Boston. Um, You know, (laughs) I can't front. I was rooting for him. I was hoping that because I hate Boston, too. (laughs) I think at that point, I hate I hate the Lakers, but I hate Boston more. So I was really rooting for I wasn't rooting for the Lakers, but I was cool with the Lakers winning. So, you know, when Kobe got his his, uh was at his fifth ring, I was cool. And, um, you know, I, 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 I tell people all the time, like I felt like he and Shaq going separate ways while it worked out for both of them. I think if they had stayed together, I think they they could have run off, you know, seven, eight, nine championships easily. Um, but everything happens for a reason. But um, but yeah, Kobe. That's when things changed for me. And then, like I said, I got to a point where I just, you know, I 
I could appreciate the guy, man. And I really enjoyed watching him. And I, I, I didn't let my pettiness or hate for him, hate, quote unquote, hate for him, uh, ruin my chance to enjoy him and celebrate him and kind of give him his flowers while he was still playing the game of basketball. Um, I didn't this past week. I haven't, you know, I haven't really spent that much time on social media. Uh, the little time that I have, uh, and fortunately for me, and I would have to say smart on my part. Like I didn't get on Twitter at all Sunday, um, the day of the crash. Um, I think I sent out a couple of tweets on Monday and anytime I did get on Twitter, it was just in my mentions. I didn't, I didn't want to check the timeline because I can only imagine what people were saying. Um, someone did send me a text. One of my friends did send a text, a screenshot of people talking about, you know, what happened in Colorado. Now, if you're familiar with Kobe Bryant, you know about the, uh, rape allegation that he went to trial for and you know he settled out of court in a civil suit um and i'll say this i don't know what happened between kobe and that woman in colorado kobe said it was consensual sex she said that he forced himself upon her and raped her sexually assaulted her uh you go back you can go back and look at the transcripts of all that was reportedly as to what happened and make the case, make it, make the judgment for yourself. Kobe, again, you know, settled out of court. He, you know, publicly, publicly apologized to his wife, uh, the Lakers organization. Um, and they, you know, his, his, he and his wife, Vanessa, they went through you know a tough time um, to the point where, you know, she had actually filed for divorce or she drew up the papers for them to get a divorce. Um, but, you know, for whatever reason, they, they fought through it and they and they made it. And the reason why I bring up Colorado is that I was brought up. I was, it was brought to my attention that some people were talking about that. I get it, but I don't get it. I mean, it was Sunday. The man had just died. He don't, he'd been dead for two or three hours. And people are talking about, you know, what happened in Colorado. He's a rapist. Da, 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 da. Stop. Relax. I think you have to show some level of class and respect for the deceased. If you want to engage in a conversation about what happened in Colorado or your opinions of what happened in Colorado, go for it. I just don't think that that was the time or the place for that. Not when it just happened. I mean, he literally just, the man just died, right? It's not the time and a place for that. Now, if, again, if you want to have that conversation, that discussion, that's something that can be revisited down the road. And whenever that part of the road that you want to talk about it happens then let it be but up until that up until then let it go man let it go i don't know how that lady feels i don't know that i don't know i don't even know who she is because i don't think we i mean i might i, I guess i probably could look up her name but i don't know if she's made a statement or anything i don't know how she feels i don't and at this point it doesn't matter because here's the thing kobe's gone and he's not coming back so you, you know, talking bad about him or whatever like that, which is what some people on social media do. Um, it doesn't change anything. And I think it's, you know, it's classless. Again, you can have your feelings and your opinions as to what if you think that he did something that he wasn't supposed to do. OK, fine. But talking about it and being, you know, ignorant about it. Two hours after the man dies, I think it's classless. That's just me. Um, I do have some memorable moments for, from Kobe. Uh, man, probably one of my favorite memorable moments was um, the pass that Kobe threw to Shaq. 
uh, the alley-oop against Portland to give them the lead. Um, and people always see that clip, but if you weren't around or you weren't <laughs> if you weren't outside back then, you, you'd have to understand. That was Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals, right? It was the fourth quarter. The Lakers started that quarter down by 17 points to Portland at home. I mean, like you could literally see the their opportunity to go to the finals slipping away. And slowly but surely, they just started, you know, chopping, chopping them down. And Portland got tight. And I mean, Portland literally was 12 minutes away from going to the NBA finals. And then Kobe hit Shaq with the alley-oop and that was that was all she wrote. It was a wrap. But they, they fought back and battled back from being down 17 in the fourth quarter. You normally don't blow a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter in an NBA game. Especially a game of that magnitude. The Lakers go on to do what they do in Portland. You know, really hasn't been the same since. I mean, they haven't gotten any closer uh, to winning a title. Um, so that was memorable. Um, oh, 2003. All-Star game. That was the all-star game that was here in Atlanta, where I live. Um, That one was memorable because that was Jordan's last all-star game. And I'll never forget, Jordan comes down. The game is tight. Jordan hits the fadeaway with like four seconds left. And, you know, crowd is going crazy. You know, Jordan's squad takes the lead. Well, Kobe is not going to be denied. He comes down and he went, He goes to shoot a three. Gets fouled by Jermaine O'Neal. So it's three shots. He makes two of his three shots. Sends the All-Star game in overtime. Uh, the West win in overtime led by Kevin Garnett. But just seeing Kobe on the court with Jordan one last time, that was a beautiful thing to see. Um, and the last memory I had was just one of... Um, Again, just sheer respect for the man um, when he tore his Achilles. Uh, if you remember Kobe, Kobe was, you know, taking the ball to the hole. He falls down. He tears his Achilles. And he gets up and, you know, instead of walking to the, you know, locker room, he's down for a little while. They realize that, you know, he knows that his Achilles, his Achilles is gone. And the NBA has a rule that if you get hurt and you get fouled, if someone else shoots your free throws, you can't come back in the game. Which you know, which would have been, which would have made all the sense in the world for Kobe to leave. I mean, he's got a torn Achilles. He's not, he's not coming back in the game. But Kobe gets up, he shoots his free throws, both of them, makes both of them, and then the Lakers call timeout. He walks off the court and heads to the locker room, but. Kobe, you know, really shot the free throws and kind of gave off the the impression like he could go to the he could go to the locker room, get taped up, and come back into the game. Nah, bro, you just told your Achilles. But that's that spoke to me. That spoke volumes about who he was as a competitor, the ultimate competitor. So those are some of the things that I'll miss, man. But ultimately, I think the reason why. Uh, this tragedy kind of hits home is that uh, for the last few years I saw Kobe just as a dad and you would see him with his daughter at the game you know every now and then he and his wife would come to the games and they'd have their daughters and um, you know he and his wife Vanessa leave behind well he he leaves behind obviously his wife Vanessa uh, his daughter his oldest daughter, and I think her name is Natalia. Um, and then he has another daughter that's three, and another daughter, I think that's seven months, I think. She's a baby. Um, they lost their father. She lost her husband. They lost their sister. Um, and that's tough because, again, how I've seen Kobe over the last few years when I've seen him on TV, I've seen him as a dad. And 
every time I saw him, you know, he was being a dad. He was smiling and having a good time. And I think one of the things that really has kind of opened my eyes uh, probably over these last uh, few days is not just the outpouring of love of from the fans and everything, but just the um, the stories of Kobe being a big brother and a mentor to so many guys in the NBA. Um, and I think that goes back to what I said earlier. I think Kobe realized that, you know, his investment needs to be in people and he can give back to people because for a long time, Kobe, I think he, there was a famous quote that Kobe made that, um, you know, he doesn't worry about, and I'm paraphrasing here. He doesn't worry about friendships because banners and championships, are all that matter. And what that struck me as a man who was immensely talented, but just didn't get it that, you know, you, you play a team sport <laughs> And some of the biggest and best things that you will do is the relationships and friendships and the brotherhood that you form while playing the sport. I know it on a much, much smaller level, you know, from playing football. But just being an athlete and and the camaraderie that you have with your you know, fellow guys and just hearing these stories about how he's been a, a mentor and a big brother, how he's reached out to guys and how they have. You know, every, it seems like every player, I won't say every, but a lot of players have stories about, you know, you know, Kobe talking to them, helping them out with their game, not only on the court, but off the court as well. And those things were really kind of touching and heartwarming because for a long time, I don't think Kobe believed in that. I think Kobe just, he worked so hard and worked so hard at his craft that he didn't have time for friends. I think he, at least from from where I sit, it looked like he was just really about himself. And maybe around that time where I started to develop an appreciation for him, he realized that, hey, it's not about me. It's about what I can do to help you get better. And so he's been like this basketball sensei for the last few years. And it's been great to watch. And it's, it's very unfortunate that we won't get a chance to see it anymore. Um, but I think that's the thing that I'll miss about Kobe. Um, just seeing him being a dad. And you know, again, <laughs> every time I saw Kobe, man, he was smiling and having a good time in his interviews. He's so calm and chill and laid back. He's smiling and having a good time. And that's what it was about. And it wasn't, you know, again, early in his career, it wasn't about that. It was about Kobe. It was about winning. And I mean, yeah, you saw him winning with Shaq and you saw him, you know, being happy and cheerful then. But, um, you know, you also saw someone who was so driven that I don't think, or at least I hope that he took the time to stop and smell the roses. Um, one of the things that I think this tragedy can do is, you know, help you and me, you know, just kind of think about life because, I remember Sunday when I was explaining it to my son, Brandon, Brandon's 13. Brandon's the same age as Gianna. And I was telling him and I said, well, you know, I said, they died in a helicopter crash. I said, you know, so we were talking. I said, man, I said, you know what, Brandon? I said, it would be the same as if like me and you were in a helicopter crash and we didn't come home and we leave behind your mom, your sister. And your two brothers, because Kobe's got four kids. I have four kids as well. And even then telling Brandon that I kind of had to pause because like I was like, damn, that's just like you don't want to think about that. Not my heart goes out to, you know, all of the families that I mentioned, because they're going to need some serious healing and they're going to need some serious prayer. Um, and I, I can't imagine what, you know, Vanessa Bryant is going through having lost, you know, a guy that she was married to. Her whole adult life, all she knows is Kobe. And to not only lose her husband and her friend, but to lose her child. You know, as a parent, that's the biggest fear. I don't ever want to bury my child. They're supposed to bury me when I'm, (laughs) you know, old and gray and out of here. (laughs) 
but nah man that's that's like any parent's biggest fear so i don't know how you move on i know that you have to move on but i don't know how you move on um but i think that's one of the things that i i'm I'm definitely gonna miss and I, i know i even remember hearing you know people talking about well yeah i wonder what the what the final moments were like i mean does it matter Rather than concern myself with how Kobe Bryant died, I think it's important that we celebrate how he lived. And from all accounts, he looked to be very happy and content where he was in life and where he was headed. And I think really the sad part about all of it is I think he was just really getting started as to where he was headed in the second stage of his life. And he spent so much time and was devoted with so much time to basketball. I think he, he he was going to be great at whatever he was, the path that he was on. And, you know, it's unfortunate that we won't get a chance to see this. It's unfortunate that, you know, these little girls on this basketball team, you know, they, they'll never get it. I mean, Kobe, in a lot of ways, had a full life. But these young girls, including his daughter, you know, 13, man. They were just getting started with life, to be honest. And that's the cruel thing. And we don't know why. And I think you just have to do the best that you can. Um, But yeah, I think that's the part that I'm going to miss. I'm glad that I got a chance to, you know, see Kobe. I'm glad I got a chance to experience Kobe. Um, One of the things that Dion said to me when we were on the phone, he said, Dad, you had Jordan. Kobe was my Jordan. And it hit home because I remember when Dion was a kid, I had and I, st- I still have these tapes of Michael Jordan in the finals cuz I said, you know, when I have a son, I'm I'm going to show him these tapes and show him what greatness was. And lo and behold, you know, he never got a chance to see Jordan because Dion was born in 99 and Jordan retired in what 98. He never got a chance to see Jordan play, but if you want to call Kobe the next best thing, I mean, he saw him up close and personal and he became a huge fan. And so I feel for him because he, like most fans, are, you know, pretty down and hurting. And it's understandable. And I, I saw a lot of, you know, people you know, being very emotional. And it's okay. It's okay. I think for me, like I said, I think the biggest thing was just seeing him being happy as a father. And I can tap into that because that's how I am. And I would be remiss if if I did not mention Kobe's parents. Um, I don't know what they're feeling like. And my thoughts and prayers are with them as well because um, if you're familiar with the story, Kobe and his parents had a huge falling out. I hope that before he left this earth that they uh, that they squashed everything because it's well documented they you know had a falling out Kobe ended up even having to take his parents to court and I wonder if they missed out on some of those years of you know not being able to be the grandparents that they probably wanted to be when the relationship was strained or if they got a chance to be the parents that they wanted to be to their now adult famous son. Um, He also leaves behind two sisters who, you know, loved him to death. Um, So those are the things that I think about. And I would ask all of you who are listening to this podcast, um, pray. I know it sounds cliche, but just pray. Um, Pray for these families because it's a long road ahead. And this is something that you don't get over. Yeah, the NBA family, uh, NBA fans, they are, you know, hurting right now. I don't think you can be an NBA fan and not feel the pain or at least some of the pain from all of this. 
because I think, and again, I'm not a Lakers fan, but it, it, it hurts. You know, I'm not over here, you know, shedding tears and crying, but there are people that are, and that's okay. And I think, you know, it's okay to, you know, be in tune and in touch with some of the words and the memorials and watching things and watching people and watching his colleagues talk about him. But it's also okay to put that stuff down because watching someone else cry will ultimately make you cry. But it's okay if you have to cry. But you also don't want to make yourself sad either. Because there's a time for mourning, but there's also a time for celebration. And there will be waves of this. The All-Star Game is coming. The announcement of the Hall of Fame is coming. The Hall of Fame ceremony is coming. The NBA Finals, if the Lakers make it to the NBA Finals, you know, and my heart goes out to, you know, people like LeBron. My heart really goes out to LeBron because LeBron, the night before Kobe died, passed him on the all time scoring list. Kobe's last tweet was a tweet to LeBron congratulating him and and encouraging him to push the game forward. Kobe and LeBron also shared a phone call later that evening that, you know, several Lakers players got a chance to hear. For all we know, that might have been the last phone call that Kobe Bryant made to the guy who was his, I don't want to say his successor, but, you know, a guy who he called a little brother. Jordan called Kobe a little brother. Kobe was a big brother to so many, and we're finding out more and more. And those stories will continue to pour in. But again, I ask you to pray, because that's all that we can do. Pray for these families, because it's going to be a long road. And what's going to happen is it's just the natural evolution. There will be this swell of these people uplifting it, uplifting you and, and, and kind of encouraging you. And then there'll be a memorial ser- memorial service, excuse me. And then after a while, everybody goes home and everybody goes back to their lives. These kids, these friends, these family members, these spouses that have been left behind, they're going to have to try to live this life without their loved ones. They lost them so tragically. And, you know, it's it's tough. This was a tragic loss. I think, you know, Kobe's leaving us is way too soon. Again, I say rest in peace to Kobe. His daughter. You know. Everybody on that helicopter crash. Um condolences to their families, their friends, their loved ones, basketball fans, Lakers fans, um, and and to the people that Kobe inspired to play because much like what Dion told me, Kobe is their Jordan. He really and truly is. But like I said, as I remember Kobe, I just remember that cat smiling, having a good time, enjoying life. And that's what, it, that's what it's supposed to be about. Fierce competitor on the basketball court. Again, when you see him, and I think that's one of the things that kind of tugged at me a little bit was, you know, seeing him with his daughter is how I am with my daughter. And, you know, in a lot of ways, Kobe did what a lot of us do. And I was... um when I finally did get on Facebook, one of the first things that jumped out at me was something that my cousin Asia said, and I'll read it to you, and I quote, she said, for me, the hardest part about the unexpected passing of Kobe Bryant is he was doing what so many of you on my timeline do, being a supported, supportive, invested, and present parent. When you strip away the fame, money, and accolades, What we see is a family man simply engaging in his child's life and walking alongside her as she chased her passion. It's the human human element. He is us. We are him. Close quote. And I'll leave you with this thought. 
It's a quote that I always used to hear growing up. And it says, quote, the one thing that we all know about life can be summed up in two words. In three words, excuse me. It goes on. Close quote. And it really does. Life goes on. We go on. But we never forget. Thanks again for checking out the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm your boy 12 Kyle. Catch you guys next time. Five G's.